dark in doorless chambers, where strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls. This is the Theme Park Loopy Podcast. <laughs> everyone and welcome to the theme park loopy podcast and today we are talking halloween halloween is starting now and welcome brett from fear and sons how are you doing brett? i'm good did you write that song before you came on or i did i've been i've been working oh, no, you, know, you said you were going to be a bit late doing the recording is that what you were doing yeah that's what i was writing the theme tune yeah, I was writing the theme tune. Uh, I was writing the theme tune, singing the theme tune, and it's all kicking off. Um, and we've also got Charlie from Go Theme Parks. How are you doing, Charlie? I'm good, mate. Thank you very much. Good. Um, so what we're going to be doing today is we're just going to be talking. We're going to go through a couple of news items that have popped up over the last couple of days. Then we're going to be talking about some of the scare attractions which are happening. We're going to be talking about some of the measures that are being taken by some of these scare attractions and the attractions that the theme parks are doing as well. We're also going to talk and sort of ask the question, do we think that next year uh, scare attractions are going to have to change the way that they do things? Because obviously if this situation continues for even you know another nine months, for example, a scare attraction is going to have to rethink it because they don't want to be cancelled again you know, next year. So how are things going to get changed? So, before we kick off, Brett, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Uh, yeah, uh, so I, I run a company called Fear and Sons Immersive Horror Consulting. Uh, you can find that on all the social me- media platforms and stuff. Um, I also do some graphic design and stuff and theme park related stuff on uh, Theme Parks by Brett as well. So you can find me on all of those different places. Brill and Charlie, do you want to tell us all about you? Uh, yeah, I do uh, YouTube, uh, Go Theme Parks, I do vlogs, you know, I've got POVs, I've got some other supplementary content there as well. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, you know, I'm on uh, on Instagram awesome. there as well. Good, good. I'm yeah, working I... on the Instagram, you know, I'm, I'm, that, that seems to be uh, where all the kids are at nowadays, you know, so I'm going to try and catch up. <laughs> Okay. Are you, yeah, so you're working on the grams then? Yeah, I'm working on the grams. I've been working um, them grams, working yeah. out hard, lifting them grams. And we've got reels now as well. So we've got reels, which is like uh, like TikTok. What is a reel exactly? See, I'm not down oh, with this. It's, you know, it's... do you know if Sam was here, this would this would be. It, this is a Sam. This uh, is this is he'd be literally laughing at Sam's. us all right now and saying how uncool well, we are. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not got... right here. I've not got Sam into Reels yet, because I have said to him, do you know what, I think Reels might actually be, you know, for you. Uh, because basically what a Reel is, it's like a TikTok. So like TikTok's like 15 seconds or whatever, and you do like a thing. Um, reel on Instagram is basically the same thing. So you can put a number of different clips together on your phone. You can put music over it, and then off you go. So I've done a few reels of because when we've I've done like B roll and stuff when we've gone to theme parks, and I've put a couple of bits together. So if you want to see what a reel is, 
than have a look on on my Instagram because I've got some real real deals look. Yeah, on the I've, go. I've not seen it yet, so I'll have to check that out and I'll uh... reeling us in. Uh... Yeah, I'm gonna reel you in with my reel. Yeah. Right, so uh, so looking at the news over the last couple of days, uh, Merlin, uh, they, they were actually on the one show tonight, um, as as of recording, uh, World on Towers, because uh, you know Matt Allwright, who does all the rogue traders type thing, he was uh, talking about All on Towers tonight, oh, um, yeah. apparently. I, I didn't watch it, but apparently, because there's been a bit of controversy over the fact that, obviously, uh, like me and, and other people, we have uh, Merlin passes, and sometimes when you've been going in to try and book to go, um, you can't actually book your free ticket to go, because obviously you've already paid for a pass. But if you wanted to pay to go in, there were still tickets available. So, been a little bit of controversy over that. I mean, I do there's get the fact that... that. Yeah, I mean, I get the fact that Alton Towers, they can't just let people in for free every day, you know, if that happened. So they do want a mixture of people paying and people going in who have already paid. So Merlin's answer to that is what they've decided to do is do these Merlin past days. So I think in November, it looks like there's going to be some special events at Alton Towers, Legoland, Fort Park and Chessington. So what do we think about that? Is that a fair compromise that we're going to have these special Merlin Pass events, or do we think that's not really going to solve the problem? Uh, yeah, I think this was. I think this issue with um, you know so many tickets for paid guests and and annual passes was always going to be an issue at some point. Um, eventually, you're going to have some days where one say say you split it fifty fifty, for instance, one of them's going to be full, and we're, we're going to be left with. Um, a load of paid tickets that just haven't been filled up yet. So I think this was always going to be an issue, but I, I mean, at least they've tried to do something. Uh, it's a shame that they have only done something now. It's on the TV and everyone's complaining about it. Uh, maybe they should have considered it to start with. Uh, but we're all in. We're all learning. I think you know, having having to sell tickets for events and stuff in the past. Um, I know I would would have struggled with times like this for sure um, and wouldn't have known how to approach it. Yeah. So I think they just didn't know. I think that, I, I, and at least they've tried to rectify it with at least something. Yeah, I mean, we're in, we're in uncharted territory. Um, Merlin did get a bit of criticism early on because they were charging a pound, you know, to book your pass ticket, which... Um, I wasn't convinced as to the reason why they need to do that because I think they I think they maybe their you know merchant platform needed some sort of transaction to be able to you know generate the ticket or whatever. But I'm not. I mean, it could have been a penny. You know, did it have to be a pound? I think you know, the so? the point of a transaction at all was to make sure that people turned up. Um, in which yeah. case, I probably would have made it more. Uh, Really, and maybe made it five pound, but then at that point you're you, you're charging someone to go to something they've already paid for. Um, Did you refund it when the turn yeah? Up? Potentially, there might be a way of doing something like that. Uh, I know tables in restaurants and and a couple of pubs around are taking five pound deposits and then taking it off your bill when you get there to make sure you turn up for the table because companies at the minute just don't have the capacity. 
Yeah, I I went to book somewhere um, the other day and they wanted, a, I think it was a £15 deposit. Uh, and in the end, it actually put me off doing the booking because <laughs> <laughs> I thought... I thought, do you know what? This seems too complicated <laughs> to have to pay someone fifteen pounds. Because I guess I don't mind losing a pound, but if you know, if I forgot about it and lost fifteen pounds, maybe I'd think twice about yeah. that. I think that's what so... it's made it's an incentive to make sure they're filling all their seats. A lot of these places like Ock Towers have lost a considerable amount of their capacity. Um so to make sure that they sell the tickets that they can say they have ten thousand tickets to sell, um they want to make yeah. sure that all 10,000 of them turn up because if, if, if 5,000 of them are all annual passes and they just didn't fancy coming that day because it was raining, it means that potentially 5,000 5, other people could have gone. I think the one thing I don't understand about why Alton Towers have done this is that they've allowed people to just book days, months ahead, uh, whereas Pleasure Beach are, are strict you know, seven days ahead. And I think that works better because you kind of plan when you're going to go and then seven days in advance you kind of go in and book your slot. I know that, I guess, because I think that probably the reason why Alton Towers have done it is because they've got more hotels and stuff like that. But then again, if you have a hotel booking, you're guaranteed entry anyway. So I guess that doesn't make sense. But I think there's more risk that people will just go in and book random days and that's why it'll get booked up. You know, like, people will just book October up, for example, and it is nearly booked up now, apart from a few days. Uh, so I just wonder, I wonder who's got the best system, because uh, Blackpool Pleasure Beach, th- as far as I can tell, the only days that have been sold out have been Saturdays, and normally it sells, even if you go in on the Friday, there'll still be some tickets available for season ticket holders. Uh, so it might be sold out on the day. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's the best way of doing it, but I just do wonder whether allowing people to just book whatever. I mean, I think that, I think someone did say there was a limit of how many they could actually uh, book, but um, I do wonder if that's contributed to it a little bit as well. Um, so yeah, so they're going to have the Merlin Pass days. Um, I think those are in November. Um, might try and get to the Alton Towers one, but then again, you know, if everyone goes, it's going to be busy, and you know, it's already a bit of a nightmare queuing for you know Wickerman and stuff like that sometimes. And I'm not a big queuer. Let's see if um, Wickerman's open at the moment. If, we, if Wickerman's open, it's been down. Yeah, a what's bit. going on so, there? There's a lot of downtime at the minute. I've noticed. I, don't, I think uh, I remember it had a problem with its chain uh, a while ago, but I don't know what the problem with they it were is now. the track the other day. Oh, okay. They were well, walking. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a wooden. I mean the problem is obviously wooden coasters a little bit more temperamental. They're going to shift. They're going to move uh, a lot more, um, and also the the kind of metal strips and stuff like that. You know, they can crack, get stress fractures, and things like that. Wickerman is. It's a high speed, lots of turns. You know, you're going to have some problems, aren't you, uh, ultimately? So hopefully they can resolve it, though, because, um, I mean, it's not the first, you know, wooden roller coaster in the world. Um, and uh, if they can keep Grand National running, then <laughs> surely they can keep Wickerman running. <laughs> a lot of cycles on Wickerman. What's that, Jelly? I said a lot of cycles on Wickerman. Yeah, yeah. It's always yeah. got a queue. It's always got a queue, definitely. 
Right, okay, so next news item is Disney uh, have announced that they're potentially, or potentially, or they are actually going to let go around 28,000 staff. And this to me seems like uh, an incredible number. Um, And I've been looking at the the types of uh, employees that are being let go, and it seems to be mainly like entertainment staff. So like yeehaw bob um and also the uh orchestra that play in the grand floridian uh, floridian over at disney world and so on this you know is i know that they need to do this to uh you know try and be on an even keel but is this gonna make you know going to disney uh especially going over to disney world that's an expensive proposition and if now they're offering even less entertainment for that you know, potentially £10,000, you know, investment to go over for two weeks. Does that make it uh, an unattractive proposition? Is it is it potentially cutting off your nose to spite your face a little bit by letting that many staff go? Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I'm shocked that the... We we were talking about this before we came on air. Um, we, we were shocked at how many people, 28,000 people are. That's how many people work at these parks i know it's including the resorts as well um so i assume obviously that there is but is twenty eight thousand people half their workforce is it, it feels like quite a lot of people it's an incredible number um and um considering like i was saying before that um you know if you go to epcot um a lot of the restaurants in epcot are actually operated by outside companies um so they're not actually disney staff so when you start looking at well actually where is it actually disney cast members um and i presume that that's who they're letting go um i don't know if they pay like a contribution for you know patina staff or or whoever i wouldn't have thought they would i thought they'd just be completely separate it just feels like an incredible number of staff to be letting go um and it's gonna it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt the experience it's got to um you know, we we were we were planning to go to Disney World this year in September. Uh, we were going to stay at Coronado Springs, um, you know, which is a kind of medium resort, so nothing massively extravagant, really. But the whole holiday were going to cost, you know, you're talking eight thousand pounds, you know, just for two of us to go over there. And yeah. unless the prices, unless and and that was with free dining as well, still, so about eight thousand pounds with free dining. Um, you know, unless the prices come down, they've got some mega, mega offers. I think some people are going to be put off. And I think, I've said this before, Disneyland Paris uh, in the past has had a really bad reputation. But I think a lot of people are going to be, in, in England in particular, are going to be looking at Disneyland Paris and thinking, do you know what, that's a 45 minute uh, plane journey away and actually, and actually I can stay I can stay in a hotel for like 50 euros a night over there. <laughs> Um, you know, I think some people are going to be thinking, do you know what, let's take the kids to Disneyland Paris. Uh, and I know you'll probably only be going for, you know, four or five days, potentially. So that's going to hurt the American parts, I think. So maybe less so Disneyland Paris, because I think people will still go. Um, and to be honest, Disneyland Paris is, you know, it's a different it's a different experience. And they don't have necessarily all the entertainment stuff there uh, anyway. Uh, and they don't really have resorts. So I can't see who they could let go from Disneyland Paris if they were going to let people go there as well. So, yeah. Okay, so moving on to the main topic, which is Halloween. And it's it's October 
as of recording this episode, it's October tomorrow. Uh, but probably when I put this episode out, it'll probably be actually a, f- a good few days into uh, October. And we've seen some attractions um, that are, well, some of them are starting from Friday and then some of them are starting from the middle of October. Which attractions, we've seen a lot of cancellations, but which attractions really stand out to you guys as being the attractions that people just can't afford to miss this year in 2020? What attractions would you say that people can't miss? I'll let you go first, Charlie, on this one. Well, any that actually have stuff on at the minute would probably be a good place to start. Uh, I mean, it's really difficult to know that looking at some of the websites... Well, I I asked the question on the theme park loopy page uh, in the group, and a lot of the answers were Scarefest, uh, which I think um, is usual because I think most people you know are familiar with Alton Towers and go to Alton Towers, you know, and I think I think that's an attraction that people are looking forward to. Um, but I mean, I've been going to Scarefest since. I'm just trying to think. The first time I went was in 2009, and my impression of Scarefest was that. Over the years, it kind of it felt less and less of an event, um, and I remember when they did uh, they did like Jewel Live, yeah. which was really good, and they did the Trick and Treat uh, Windows, which they used to do. Um, I don't know; it just felt like it kept getting sort of paired back every year, um, and then they did start doing the kind of um, you know the scare zones uh, that started sort of doing one or two of those, but not very extensive. This year, um, they've got a few. They've got a, a decent amount of, uh, of you know attractions on it. Obviously, they had the mazes before. Mazes, is it? Yeah, and and the, they and had the five last year, I think. Yeah, and and in the past, what 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 used to happen is before they had the stargazing pods, uh, you used to have to kind of leave the park and go over to the mazes, um, which is fine. Um, but it always felt like to me in the park. Then it felt like what what seemed to be happening is the scare mazes that used to go out to were getting better and better. You know they were getting better, but the atmosphere in the park was getting less and less. So I'm going to be interested this year to see if the park starts to come alive a little bit more because they're going to have to do things, you know, less enclosed now. They're kind of forced to do things out in the open a little bit more, um, and they have got. Um, Part of the event, it looks like they're going to be doing something in the in the gardens. What have they called it? Is it whispering? Yeah, whispering the gardens or something or... along those lines. Um, yeah, yeah. That's. I would say uh, one thing you shouldn't miss this year is is that one attraction. I don't think for a second that that attraction is going to be the scariest thing you ever walk through. Um, but this year, Alton Towers have invested in a um, huge lighting package to light the entire gardens. Um, a lot of people have said that Alton Towers' atmosphere and stuff like that, like you just said, has has died off a little bit around the parks, uh, around the park itself. Yeah. But And there's always been that massive darkness gap in the middle of the park that's the gardens that you look at and go, how incredible would this be all lit up? They're actually doing it this year. Um, and it's going to be amazing to just see that alone. Yeah, because what used to happen is um, <laughs> is that um, I remember walking between, um, uh, you know, I, I can't, what, is it the Haunted Hollow, that kind of area that you walk through? So you walk around the back of where Katanga Canyon is, so not round the top side. 
Um, and there's there's like a walkway, and then there's like some bushes and gardens and stuff. And they used to have a few props and stuff there. But just random people from the public used to kind of jump out at you. <laughs> and, and you used to sometimes think, actually, is this part of the attraction or not? But then I started thinking, do you know what? Actually, that would be really good. It's a bit of an opportunity missed. The year you know, before that, you so. started going, in 2008, was my first year going to Scarefest. And they actually did not only just Jewel Live, they did Haunted Hollow Live. And they actually had actors all through Haunted Hollow. Um, they stopped it a year later or t- a year or two later. They stopped it due to an actor being assaulted of some sort. Um, but that was awesome. It was lit really well. There were smoke machines about. Um, it, they were just. They weren't even really scary. It was more kind of family interactive fun stuff, and they were. It was mm. brilliant. It added so much to that area. Well, that's always the trade-off in it, you know. Um... Because I always think, do you know what, it'd be great if they had more actors. But obviously actors cost money and you've got to kind of meet that balance. But then there's also the safety issue as well. Because obviously Scarefest, it comes alive at night when it's dark. And if it's not a controlled environment, there is potential for things like that. I guess with Jewel Live, it was uh, better because you're in a car. You're not going to jump out of your car and, and so on. But if you're walking through a bit of a woodland and people are in the bushes, I can see how there's more potential. Because then you could say, well, why don't you have more security? But then if you start having people in high-vis jackets wandering about everywhere, then it's not scary anymore. It's like health and safety, you know, gone mad a little bit. Um, Yeah, that would ruin the atmosphere. I mean, the way they've described it, so uh, Garden Lights Walk, Whispering Souls, that's what they've called it. Uh, this scarefest uh, come to Alton Towers Resort and enjoy the gardens as never before and witness them come to life in a whole new spooktacular light in um, in capitals. So yeah, uh, with luscious stretching lawns, vibrant beds and conservatory areas. And that's just something about the garden. So yeah, that, the hint seems to be that there's going to be a lot of lighting. <laughs> I'd, I'd yeah, I did, I did hear rumours about this beforehand. Um so I was expecting them to do this. And then when all of the COVID stuff happened, um, we were pretty much certain uh, in, in the rumour mills, guys, that we were pretty much certain that it wasn't going to happen uh, and, that, and that, that that was just far too much cost. So it is really nice that they're still going through with stuff. Um, what other attractions have they got this year? I think they're relocating Darkest Depths, I think, to... Is it is it by... Is it... Dark forest area? Um, right, so enjoy some extra spooky swashbuckling aboard the mutiny. So so I think the darkest depths uh, that was was in the, the uh, in Mutiny Bay area has been moved. I saw some construction photos recently. I think it's going to where the zombie scare zone was, you know, down the side of Old Ugland and that. Um, right. oh, okay. And then you've got Fine. Toxic Junkyard, which is where... Goal striker and all that is, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I've not, I've not been really following the the construction, so I've not seen where where they've been. Yeah, I've not um, seen a lot. I think um, Toxic Junkyard. Oh, I think we mentioned this earlier. Um, toxic Junkyard looks like a lot of junk, lit, literal junk, though. Um, it, it's 
it was to be expected this year that some attractions were going to, you know, cut back a little bit on costs. You know, there's, there's a lot of money's gone out of this industry, so I was expecting to see, you know, junkyard and and things that were more, um, stuff that you already have that you can theme things with, you know, pallets and all that stuff that they already have knocking around. So yeah. I think we'll expect to see essentially. A, a glorified scare zone, which is what Toxic Junkyard, I think, will be. It looks like it, yeah. I mean, just looking through uh, scaretor.co.uk to give them a, a little shout out there, um, there's quite a lot that have been cancelled, but some, a few big ones are still uh, going ahead, though. Um, what kind of measures are we going to expect to see that have been taken by some of these events? So obviously, the theme parks still seem to be going ahead with their events. We have got a smattering of other events going ahead as well. What are we going to expect to see that's going to be different to what we've seen in previous years to try and keep everyone safe, do we think? So I think, um, I mean, I, I've, we've just sadly had to cancel our event for this year. Uh, we're in Wales so it's it was a bit more of a given. Uh, the lockdowns over here have been a lot more extensive. So we basically lost, as of tomorrow, um, our, all of North Wales and South Wales are all in, in some form of lockdown. That means that they can't, they can't leave their towns for, for social reasons. So um, because of that and a couple of other reasons, we, we thought we'd best not go ahead. However, we did have pretty much a good idea and design of, of how we could open during during these times. Um, it would have meant all all guests have to wear masks. Uh, it would also mean that all actors would have to wear masks in whatever way you know that that deems whether it's themed to. Uh, so we'll see a lot of actors probably wearing masks as well. You've already seen that as a good example at, at the likes of Passage del Terror at Blackpool Pleasure Beach. All the actors there wear uh, Passage del Terror masks, and I also think they wear visors as well. Uh, so that's a that's basically what you're going to see a lot of this year. Uh, expect lots of masks themed to costumes, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, um, I was watching some videos uh, over in America, so I was watching. Um... There was event. There's a bit of an event going over at Knott's Berry Farm, um, but they've not opened the parks yet over in California, and they had actors there and lighting packages and stuff. But basically, the actors, in fact, most of the actors weren't actually wearing masks, but they were at quite a distance to the guests, so they, they'd have them like in buildings or on podiums or you know stages, you know, quite a, a distance. So that's one thing, I guess. Um, Bush Gardens, uh, I saw a video from Bush Gardens and basically, like you say, people were in visors, in masks. They still seem to be um, getting relatively close to people. You know, there were still roaming actors, you know, people, um, you know, people, the chainsaw people, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, They were just wearing masks, but other than that, it looked pretty much the same. But I guess what was different is... That all the, the the houses, as they kind of call it over there, um, they weren't inside; they were all outside. So, um, yeah. however, in the UK, we're still we're still going to have indoor uh, attractions, aren't we? Um, 
you know, like the attic, for example. And and obviously, the dungeons uh, are still operating. Um, I went to the dungeons in in York uh, a few weeks ago. Um, Passage uh, is still operating. So it it feels a bit weird to me that uh, a lot of events have been cancelled. But I, I I'd imagine. I think the reason why a lot have been cancelled is because they're worried about that congregation of, of people, I guess. Um, yeah. If they're not confident in being able to get people through at a safe distance, and I suppose maybe they feel like they've not got much choice but to cancel it, I suppose. People are the tricky part, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> people are unpredictable as well. Well, they've they've been doing a couple of houses at Halloween Horror Nights over in America, um, and what they've been trying to do, because you know the houses and scare mazes, it tends to be like a big conga line, you know, even if you send people in groups, it just, for some reason, all the groups kind of merge together um, and become this kind of big conga line. Um, and one thing they try to do over at Halloween Horror Nights is give um, the lead person in each group like um, a light so the actors and people inside could actually see the separation of the groups and then they'd hold a group if they needed to. Um, so that's one thing that they were doing to try and sort of keep people apart. Um, yeah, Alton Towers uh, in the the mine one last year, you had helmets that had lights on. And you're sent in in like groups, and then the I feel had, like did stuff at different points. I feel like giving people helmets feels like a bit of a nightmare at the moment. Like I suppose you have to clean the helmets a lot. That was yeah. another. That was my question at Terra Mountain. Was because it's in a mine. If if you go into one of the mine attractions, you have to be by health and safety laws. You have to wear a hard hat. Um, mm. And I my first question was. Oh, are we going to stop people going through the mine so you don't have to wear hard hats? Because then someone's going to have to be cleaning them. And they were like, "Oh no, we're already doing that," and they're, they're having to yeah. clean hard hats after every use, uh, which I thought was interesting. Which, on a larger scale, when you're talking about theme park attractions and these bigger ones, you just couldn't do it. There's just no way that you'd be able to. You'd have to employ two or three people to just clean things. Um, yeah. So it, it's a bit, mm. I, it's a bit far fetched to do stuff like that. Uh, so I don't think helmets will be a thing. Uh, I don't know if the helmets ever did much for for skin snatchers or whatever it was called. Uh, yeah, Altamill Vinesville. Uh, Altamill Mine yeah. Tour. I think um, was that one. The uh, it was Haunted Lanterns. The guys at Haunted Lanterns uh, did the technology for for those helmets. Uh, and if you were ever lucky enough to wear one of them, it did enhance the experience. You had one at the front and one at the back. Yeah, but they and so they kind of black out at certain parts. Uh, the haunted lanterns technology they use is incredible. Uh, they basically have sensors in each rooms that that have um, that that can turn your light on. So you can either have a lantern or a torch or you know a, a, a hat with the help with the with the light on. Uh, and every time you walk into a room, they can sync the light to, say, music. They can turn the light out. Uh, the actors can have controllers to turn the lights out and on again. Uh, so that it is really interesting. Uh, the technology they use is brilliant. They're based in Germany, and the guys that run it are, are fantastic. Hank, yeah, because at the start, the, um, the woman in the first room, the actor, she came up and like tapped on it, and it came on. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's all that's all choreographed. That's choreographed to the music and the scene. That is, it's it's very clever, um, 
I saw a really good example. We had uh, ScareCon a, a few years ago back in Thorpe Park. Uh, they did an example of um, it was Saw Alive. They did an example of that where there were no actors, but they set up all these sensors and you were to ha- you were given a lantern to walk through. And the light would pulse with the music and, you know, it starts strobing in another room. It would turn out completely when an actor was around the corner. It, it yeah. Really clever technology. Um, it's uh, it's not it's not very cheap. You won't see it at many independent haunts, but but uh, the more and more that, that go about, the, obviously the cheaper it'll become, and it is very very cool technology. Yeah, so some attractions that um, do seems to be a bit of a new thing this year. Seems to be the these kind of drive through attractions. Now I've seen. I've seen a few different takes on this. Some of them seem to be like a kind of traditional kind of hayride type attractions, uh, but in a car. And then some of one of them I've seen is like uh, they're doing like a drive-in cinema, so they're gonna have a horror film on. But while you're driving into where the screening is, you go through this kind of like scary, you know, road or whatever they call it. Um, so that was a bit of an interesting take on it. Um, so like a drive-through dark ride section. Yeah, um, which kind of raises the question, like, you know, do we think, you know, are these drive-through attractions, you know, potentially a good idea? Um, I think I've said before, it feels like being in a car and having potentially actors around is a bit problematic, potentially. So what kind of steps do you think they're going to have to take just to, you know, keep everyone safe you know do we think i'm quite lucky actually i i know a little bit about this we did um uh me and ollie did a an attraction called it was it was basically a, it was basically a zombie survival event um but it was a company called motor safari and they did uh they basically do four by four experiences and stuff like that uh and they wanted to do a, like a zombie kind of apocalypse style thing, so they got us in to to, uh, to write it all, design it all, train the actors and stuff like that. And we had to get actors close to cars, moving cars, and uh, with all the insurance in the world, we still struggled. And it got down to the point where there was only me, one of the actor trainers, and one of the actors that that we had worked with multiple times uh, that we could actually trust to go near the cars. It wasn't that we didn't trust the actors. It was that we didn't trust the people in the cars. Um, yeah. And uh, we were talking earlier again before we came on air about how sometimes actors get get hit. It's, it's just a thing that happens, you know? Uh, most scare actors have at least one story where they've either accidentally or not accidentally in some cases... Um, being assaulted by a customer and it's just most actors see it as just part of the job um, now would you hand every single guest a knife before they go into the attraction and say hey can you try not to stab anyone even if it's by accident please well would you hand them a two ton killing machine and let them drive it around uh, I wouldn't. I don't. I I know how these companies that are doing it. I know how they go about it. So they're using kind of traffic light systems. 
So if there's a traffic light and it's on red, you have to have your engine off and then your scene will start. Um, but do you trust absolutely every 100, 200, 300 people or more uh, a night to, to always have their engine off? I don't know if I do. <laughs> it's, 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 definitely, it's definitely a problematic one. Um, I mean, with the exception notably of uh, Pleasurewood Chills and the Blackpool Pleasure Beach uh, Freak Nights Journey to Hell, most of the parks seem to have an event on. Uh, like we've mentioned, Scarefest, there's Fright Nights, um, there's Fear Island at Fantasy Island as well. What's the difference? Um, you know, why can uh, a theme park uh, put on uh, basically a scare event, but um, you know, places like you know Farmageddon and people like that, why can't they put on an attraction? Do we think what's the difference? I think uh, theme parks have the capacity to do so. In a lot of cases, they can handle higher capacities. Therefore, on a reduced capacity, they're they're able to still make money. Um, one of the questions we had at Terra Mountain was, we're going to have to reduce capacity this year. Um, our capacity isn't massive. It's only a couple of hundred people a night. Um, and if we were to reduce that, at what point in time do we have to start looking at cutting costs, you know, maybe on actors, maybe on set and stuff like that? Um, so we could have still have done it but we would have had less people. So I think a lot of the smaller attractions are, are looking at it at a capacity basis, you know, and not really yeah. wanting to, to, to run the risk of, of making a loss on what is a very difficult year already. Yeah, because I guess um, a lot of the events, or some of them, are basically, you know, like a field somewhere. Um, they've got to obviously get everyone kind of parked up and get them through the attractions. Um like you said, the 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 probably you know they'll be operating on a relatively thin profit margin because I tend to find that um, you know people who run scare attractions in the vast majority of cases I find they're not you know they're not doing it to become you know super. Oh rich no, there, or there isn't anyone. There's yeah. maybe three people in the entire industry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so most people are doing it because they enjoy doing it, and and so they they ramp up the experience at the at the cost of you know making money and so if you've got that kind of wafer thin you know five percent profit margin and you say well do you know what you you can only have a 60 percent capacity that means actually i'm now making you know 20 percent loss that don't make sense so then i've got to cut down the experience but then when i cut down the experience it's not the same anymore and also the risk is do we do do we pare down the attraction and have sixty percent and then potentially get a load of bad reviews, <laughs> you know? Because and and then are people going to come back next year if it's not good? You know that that's a risk as well. Um, so I can see all the, all this stuff that's going through people's heads and, and and like you say, you know, someone like Alton Towers, you know, the park's already there; they can be open. Uh, a lot of the attractions that are permanent anyway. Um, you know, they can probably absorb that. Um, and also, I think it's generally accepted that the parks don't do it as well as the standalone scare attractions. So people kind of go in with lower expectations anyway, don't they? Um, even with events like Scarefest as, as popular as they are. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think theme parks are still, they're still doing their fair share of, I think all of the attractions could go ahead to a degree. Um, it's it's more of a, a, a practical choice. Uh, some being that they don't want to, you know, they like you said, they don't want to lower their their standard, basically. You know, no one wants to compromise the quality of their art, essentially. Um, yeah. And... But even, you know, we've seen it, we've, we were reading out the description of, of one of the new attractions this time, Alton Towers, is a walk around the gardens. You know, it's it's outside, out the way, um, you'll be massively distanced from people. It'll, it'll be maybe a good, it'll almost be a conga line, but distanced, I would imagine, is how these attractions work this year. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I'm, I think I'm looking forward to that the most although the attic is a particularly good attraction as well um i'm sorry i just got this funny image then of what (laughs) imagine if you made the people walking around the gardens into like like literal jewel cars like put bars between (laughs) them (laughs) so everybody has to move around at the same pace yeah that'd be quite good it It would be quite Um, it'd be funny to see and then put a trommel in the garden, but that that doesn't. But one that works. Spin. Yeah, <laughs> 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 that'd be good. Um, last uh, last year, for the first time, um, I went to uh, an event, uh, a local event called Ilkley's Scare Trails, um, and I was really disappointed that that didn't go ahead. But that's totally understandable why that one didn't go ahead because it literally is a walk around a woodland, um, and it, it was. And they do it for charity, uh, actually, that event. Um, and a lot of the actors are like local scout troops and things like that. But they all did really well. There were definitely some uh, really good actors as well, um, as well as the more amateur actors. <laughs> um, and that was kind of like a walk around a woodland bit. It's really weird because there was lots of different scenes that you went through. But for about 10 minutes, we were just, for near the beginning of the attraction, we were just kind of scrambling on a hill in in woods and i was thinking is this part of the attraction that we're scrambling <laughs> through this woodland so you definitely have to take really good um you've got a set scene yeah, yeah. it was do you know what it was brilliant though ilkley scare trail i was good that that ain't gonna go ahead i mean it's understandable but um that was great um and what were the what were the other event? oh yeah and the, the same people they do an event up at north allerton as well um, Care zone guys, is it? Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's wait, Stuart. It, wait, Stuart Stuart Kite, uh, yeah, yeah. So so they do the North Allerton oh, okay, as well. Idea. Um, and I think they were going to do they were going to be uh, one in I think it was Otley. They were going to do like a zombie event, um, but that got cancelled as well. So yeah, so so that's a bit of a shame because there's quite a few there's quite a few scare attractions in in the kind of Yorkshire area. Um, you know that I was looking forward to going to, so it's a bit unfortunate, really. Yeah, it's a shame. It's definitely a shame. So next year, you know, thinking thinking about this current situation that we're in at the moment, you know, if if we get to you know spring, and this is still a problem, as someone who you know uh, puts together scare attractions. And you're you're probably going to be thinking, do you know what? I don't want to put a load of work in uh, to something and then risk it being cancelled. I do actually want to deliver something. Are you going to be thinking? And do you think other people are going to be thinking? Actually, how can we 
approach this differently next year? How can we make sure that Halloween does properly happen next year in the UK? Yeah, I, I think that I don't think that normal life will ever resume as it once was. I think we're going to see hand sanitizer in every shop uh, and restaurant for the foreseeable future. Um, I have to wear a mask at work. I think I'll be yeah. wearing a mask at work for potentially the next eight months, if not longer. Yeah. I don't see anyone suddenly going before Christmas saying, oh, you don't have to wear your mask anymore. I just don't see that happening. So I fully expect that Halloween next year will still have some form of restrictions, not to what we've seen. Um, I think attractions will still be able to open as normal, but I do think potentially either masks being worn, 100% things will be um, hanging curtains and things like that will be removed. Uh, so they're not, you know, in direct touching vicinity of every single guest that can't be cleaned easily. Um, so I do think we'll see slight changes. However, I, I'm pretty confident that as of next October, most attractions will open as what you think is, is normal. But by then, the new normal will be you sanitize your hands anywhere you go anyway, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right, and um, I think we're gonna see you know potentially more uh, sort of digital distance type events uh, potentially. Um, I do, I do, I do worry that there's a risk that um, some events are gonna have to kind of think about paring down the experience a little bit because they are gonna have to start thinking about a little bit more seriously about how do we how do we get people through these attractions in groups. Um, because, um, like some events that I've been to in the past, um, even though you might go through the attraction with your, uh, group, or you might be put into a group of, you know, 10 people or whatever, when you kind of queue in to go in, you're kind of all next to each other and it's, you're kind of congregating and there's a lot of people and I just wonder how you can safely do that. You're going to almost have to have like an appointment <laughs> to go to one of these attractions. And I'm sure, I, do you know what? You're going to have to tell me, Brett, if I've imagined this right. But I seem to remember maybe quite a while ago, so maybe we're talking, you know, nearly 15 years ago, I seem to remember there was some sort of attraction that was put in in like an old office block. And you had to like make an appointment to go to this office block um and it was like a single person experience and it was meant to be like an incredibly extreme and bizarre experience. was it in yorkshire and was it called um uh jeez oh, it was done by the guys from gng and it was called something fear oh oh if they're listening to this they're going to hate me um yeah i think i know exactly what you mean yeah, and so so I wonder if there's going to be more like Project that. Fear. You know, project. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah I think, I'm pretty sure that's. That it was, was actually it, the yeah. UK's first genuine ex- extreme attraction. I don't know if anyone even there was very few people that actually finished it. Whereabouts was that? Was it Wakefield area potentially? Wakefield. Yeah, Wakefield. yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it there was you go, Wakefield. Yeah. And it was meant to be an incredible. I remember I read a review, and I can't remember where I read it. it might have been on like you know, Towers Times uh, website or something like that. 
and someone wrote a review and it sounded incredibly bizarre but the thing is i wonder if do you know if it's a really good high quality experience and you have to make an appointment but maybe you pay you know three to four times more than what you would normally pay maybe people would be willing to pay that so i could go to an event either by myself or with a small group of people and pay more but the quality could be exceptionally high so that could be a way of kind of bridging that gap between kind of making money versus experience yeah i was thinking before about when you're saying cutting costs it's like where you have to cut costs or raise the price yeah, well, raise the price, but at the same time, you could kind of raise the the experience. So instead of it being a conga line attraction, it's shooting for something that's a higher tier, essentially. You yeah, have to provide like not, be a, a higher quality product above. if you're chat. See, that's the thing is is to raise the price of a scare attraction. Say a singular independent attraction, maybe cost you five to ten pounds a ticket. Um. Yeah. Once once you start cutting costs and you have to make that ticket £12, you genuinely... This is a real, real thing. Uh, I've heard many people say uh, having to open attractions in, in, in smaller towns around the country. People genuinely say, but I could buy two pints for that. <laughs> yeah, it's called... Yeah. So it's a phenomenon. It's, it's kind of called... Um, it's basically price elasticity. Which is how how far can I stretch this price versus what I'm actually offering? Um, and there actually comes a point where if you stretch it too far, then it breaks. And obviously, people do say things like that. Um, however, if if you had something which was it was if you had something which like that felt exclusive and personal, uh, even you know personalized in some way. You know, if you could. Uh, personalize your experience in some way people that that would create a kind of bit of a cachet a bit of a oh look what i'm going to do kind of situation and people would be willing to pay a little bit more and i think that's one way out maybe for next year uh, good example uh, if you're in yorkshire two quid you know that could buy two packs of crisps that's a good that's point a yeah good. yeah i had to separate, had to, separate I had to get to get them crisps away from people you know <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple, a couple of Yorkshire puddings and, and, and that's your ticket for your scare attraction gone. And gravy. Yeah. And gravy. And gravy. <laughs> uh, there is a, a really good example <laughs> of what you're saying, though, actually. Uh, so there's a, an attraction out at the minute. Uh, they just added a few dates recently. I assume they're sold out because they seem to be doing really well. The attraction's called The Retreat. Um, it's done by the guys that did Scream Camp. Um their backgrounds are from, I think, uh, a couple of them for, were from Atmosphere. Um, I know a couple of them worked uh, with the, the Crack Survival Experience team that I, I helped design to start with. Uh, and they ended up doing their own uh, overnight camping experience. But it's now turned into a, I think it's an, a building of some sort. I don't know where it is. It's a secret location. But that's actually, the entire night is for two people. It, uh, and you stay overnight and it's like, you know, they advertise it as being in a horror film, that sort of thing. Uh, I've heard incredible reviews from it. Um, and it's, I don't know the exact price. I've not looked at the tickets, but uh, I can't imagine it's cheap having run overnight events myself um, and charging upwards of £80 a ticket is um, mm. 
maybe that is a good way to go. Uh, and you'd be surprised, actually, how good of a quality experience you can create uh, when you only have a few people to work with because you have yeah. all that time. You know, you can create an amazing experience in five minutes. Um, but think of what you could do with, with five hours. Uh, it takes a lot of work, but again, if people are willing to, to do that. Well, I, so, I, so I think for next year, potentially there's the, you've got two options if, if you're looking to put on a scare event. I think the first option is you put something on that has... Um, it still has a high barrier to entry because it requires some talent to actually put something together. But at the same time... Uh, the kind of logistics and technology required is is relatively easy to put together and therefore cost would be minimal and at the same time you'd be targeting quite a lot of people um, and maybe you'd be charging a smaller amount so you'd be charging a lot of people a smaller amount but the actual event would cost an awful lot less to put on so that's one thing and then the other option like like we've been talking about I think is that to think about how can we put on potentially a very sm- a small in compar- comparatively but much higher cost and much higher quality event because uh, the benefit of that is that obviously you can charge more because you put in an awful lot more uh, work into it but at the same time um i think you'd probably create a hell of a buzz because people people have this thing in their mind where if it's exclusive and it's something that not everyone can do, then they'll just go on and on about it, <laughs> you know, whatever. So I think there's a lot of potential to create a real buzz about something. You know, because if you said, think about this. So Halloween, uh, I rent a hotel. Um, it's only got, you know, 10 rooms or whatever. You know, you, you could be charging, you know, so you, so you can only potentially get, you know, up to 20 people in that hotel. So... 20 people are thinking i really want this ticket and you know it'd really create a real buzz around it and you could and you could charge a really you know i'd probably be if i were going to an event in a hotel uh that that ran all night or something like that i'd be willing to pay you know at least a couple of hundred pounds you know probably more than that you know 250 pounds you know maybe even more uh, because it it'd be a real uh, exclusive yeah. event, you know, and people are willing to pay for that. Um, and then obviously there's other yeah, things you... like a really weird hotel. Yeah, but then <laughs> but then there's there's other there's other revenue streams as well. So you know, merchandising and and stuff like that. You know that you can potentially you can potentially do, and also you could do you know fringe events as well yeah. potentially. So well, a good example of that again. A uh, little plug for myself here. <laughs> so I actually did an attraction called Psych Hotel um, with my friend Ollie. Uh, it was one of my first attractions, and it was in a hotel in Chester. And it, we actually we marketed it as the world's first scare hotel. Um, and it did incredibly well. We only had eight rooms. We could sleep up to two to four people in each of those rooms. We ran for three or four nights, and it sold out. We were charging upwards of £90 a ticket per person, that is. Um, And it was about a four- to six-hour experience. You were taken out of your rooms. It was was based on the whole scare rooms idea that Alton Towers used to do and things like that. Um, but but we just upped it that extra level. You were taken down into the cellar of the bar downstairs, and and you were taken for for dinner 
by the owner of the hotel. Uh, actually, it, all of this is on, on YouTube. Um, the guys from Scare Rooms came in uh, and filmed it all and created a two-hour-long film version of it. Um, so it is all on YouTube somewhere uh, if you want to see me acting like an idiot. And that's and that's where that's where your upsell can be as well. Like, um, obviously, you've got you know pictures. You can be taking pictures. You can be taking video of the guests. You know, at the end of the attraction, it can be. Well, I know you paid ninety pound a person, but do you want to buy a couple of photos for twenty quid? And do you want to buy this video for twenty quid? And is going to be there at the end. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, make them go through the gift shop. Make them go through the gift shop. Yeah, the but. You know, I think people would pay it as well because it's people think, do you know what? Um, I'm one of only few people that have experienced this, and I want to be able to uh, immortalize this uh, in some way. Do you do the Darren Brown gift shop bit? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. So right, we're just just gonna lock you in for a little bit. Go on, just just check out check out the stuff in the shop. Go on. <laughs> I've heard that the gift shop is the best part of Derry I still Brown's haven't been on it trend. and I've also not seen a single spoiler which has honestly killed I, me I'm inside. not going to tell you but the gift shop bit is really good oh I've, I've been in the gift shop I've been in the, the shop a few times um, and then no no you, uh, oh is there oh, another bit when... of the gift shop is there what do we think about the uh, Fort Park uh, we're going to open the Black Mirror maze uh, this year is that going to be something which is going to be you know is it going to be something that's going to get overhyped a bit and going to be a bit disappointing or do we think it's going to be genuinely a good experience at Fort Park they have they've done a few things where they've you know used IPs and it's been a bit uh, so I'm hoping they've learnt their lesson a little bit um We'll see. So it's going in in where the, the passing and other other attractions were. Uh, I think it's in the side of the the X building or what's now the Walking Dead. Um, I think they're also using parts of the Slammer queue line as well potentially. I, I hope that like every single other actor led experience in a theme park in the UK, it doesn't close in three months' time because they can't be bothered paying actors. Uh, we see it over and over again. I'm actually still shocked that the Alton Towers dungeons even still open. Um, well, I think the dungeons is... It's, it's a well-oiled machine. Yeah, it's it's separate uh, own thing, I think. It, it, it's a bit more viable. Yeah, they make you pay for that one. Yeah, and people yeah, and people do pay a little bit extra, so I guess they pay for the actors that way. But yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Like, um, the... The theme parks generally stray away from doing these kind of actor-led um, things, don't they? Because ultimately what tends to happen is it'll start off with a bang and then they'll kind of reduce the actors down, reduce it down, and then there won't be any actors. And then people just stop going in because what's well, you've the done point? It. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah. It's slightly <laughs> yeah, different exactly. to a roller coaster where, you know, you, you get the same experience every time. Uh, once you know where all the actors are in a maze, you know where they are. There's not really much you can do about that. No, unless it was a truly 
you know organic experience but end of the day um actors are people too and you know they can't be expected to perform miracles can <laughs> so um yeah i mean i uh, it's a shame i mean I'd, I'd i don't understand why alton tower stopped doing dual live i don't know if there was a reason why they stopped doing it i always thought that was a really good idea um and it, it was a really good experience i thought it did do um if I remember right, they did dual live for two or three years, and then they stopped it. And I, if I remember right, they then did like a Skelvin's spooky adventure type thing. I don't know if I remember yeah, that. Was, was, did, was that also actors, yeah. or was that just an overlay of the attraction? No, it was. Uh, they did have actors as. It was more family friendly based, if I remember right. Yeah. It was family friendly because dual live basically, it was actually quite. Well, it wasn't scary, but it for for a child it would have been scary because the actors were, you know, they were they were they were, they were trying to scare people. I guess. Yeah, um, you, I mean, there's only so close you can yeah. get to a moving vehicle. I, I guess it's if I tell you what, anyone listening that, that did dual live, expect that this year because you won't be getting close to actors. That's for sure. Uh, you know, expect <laughs> yeah. expect barriers in some cases. Uh, it might be stuff we see at theme parks. Now, did you ever experience, did you ever have the pleasure of experiencing uh, Karneski's Ghost Train? I didn't. I know it quite well. I never actually experienced it. Yeah, so that was basically dual live, but on steroids, because it was, it. well, the, the train was pretty much like an actual, I think it was actually a diesel train, <laughs> and it just basically went round in a circle, It just and it went round and then it would stop, and then it kind of go around, and then it would stop um, in different scenes, and the actors were like really, really top quality actors. In fact, um, when, I think on one of the original Karneski's Ghost Train, I think uh, Paloma Faith um, was one of the actors, I think when it travelled, I think cause it went to Glastonbury. Yeah, I believe so, like yeah. That. She also reopened it when it went to Blackpool. I think she was there for the opening ceremony of it. She did, because I, I was there. Um, and I didn't actually know who Paloma Faith was. And then Shelley goes, oh my god, it's Paloma Faith, it's Paloma Faith. And uh, so we're in the car park around the side, and she actually did a few few of her songs. But there weren't many of us there. Like, I mean, there must have been about 100 of us there. Uh, and I took a few pictures, but I, I, I'll have to try and dig out where the pictures are. Um, but that was a really good attraction. But I think potentially it was a little bit too highbrow for Blackpool. Um, in a way. Because, <laughs> it was very artistic. Um, it was very yeah, theatrical. Exactly. Uh, and a lot of people don't just get that. A lot uh, a lot of people go down the, the theatrical route. Um, and there's quite a lot of, of scare attractions that have tried it and, and not come out well the other end because it's very um it's surprisingly commercialized scare attractions. People expect a certain level of something so when you start going a little bit abstract it doesn't take a lot to lose people's interest no and it was it was definitely abstract because i think i think people expect like a bit of a jump and then maybe something and then you move on uh Karneski's ghost train you're basically receiving like a, a mini performance from the actor every time so you, the train would go around and then someone would kind of perform for you for like 30 seconds and so for some people they'd be like oh that's kind of spooky but why are we still here yeah any um, idea what the ticket price was so it was about five yeah. pounds something like that 
I'm surprised it was that 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 small. And then again, I suppose we're only on train getting I think, moving. I think yeah. at the end, because what originally when it was in Blackpool, it was at the Winter Garden, and they had it in there. Um, and then they built um, like a purpose-built building down near the Pleasure Beach, uh, and the price went up a little bit. But I seem to remember that in its final year or so, I think they started putting the price down, and actually they started to. I think they actually started to reduce the actors down a little bit as well, from from what I was told. Um, I think I went, I went, we went in a couple of times, um, and it was good every yeah. time. Uh, but they were definitely trying, and there was never like a steady stream of people going into it, and to have the kind of caliber of actors that they've had in there, they would have been, they would have been paid, you know, probably more than your average scare actor, I would suggest. Um, they are definitely more what you would consider performers over scare actors. Um, I was weirdly yeah. having a, a long chat about this with a friend of mine who who does a lot of scare attractions with me and stuff. Uh, she's a brilliant scare actor, and we were discussing the difference between uh, an actor and a scare actor. Um, and a lot of a lot of people don't even th- theatre goers and theatre actors. Um, so I I train in theatre and stuff, but the difference is massive. You'd actually be surprised how little scare actors are actually theatre-trained actors. Um, they're very, very different people a lot of the time. And uh, kind of thespian actors that are, are used to film, TV and, and, and stage don't quite understand how to scare people in the same way that people just... just you know, some people just get into it um, and, and learn it that way. A lot of a lot of actors go into into scare acting and and are a bit shocked as to uh, what they have to do because it is completely different. It's not normal acting by any means. There's one thing I'll always say. I say this to every one of my actors. If any actor that's ever worked with me is listening to me, they'll already know what I'm going to say because I say it so often that I think people start rolling their eyes at me. <laughs> if you think you look stupid, you probably do. It is my one quote that I will tell every scare actor I've ever trained. Um, as soon as you think that, oh, is my zombie walk a little bit too much? Oh, I don't really feel like doing that because I think I might look a little bit strange. As soon as you start looking like that, you actually do. Um, and and that's what makes the special breed of a, a good scare actor is is yeah. the that release of all inhibitions and be able to throw yourself on the floor and do whatever is necessary to scare someone. Um, and I, that is the difference between uh, stage acting that, you know, is, is rehearsed and planned out between uh, in a scare attraction, for instance, every single performance you do that, ta- that night is, is entirely different. You have to adapt to every single group. It's like going on stage every single day and... Um, all of a sudden, the audience um, either aren't there or they just decide to walk on stage instead that day. What, what do you do? Yeah. You know, how do you still do you carry on performing? How do you adapt to that? So it is a, it's a special breed of, of person, not even a type of actor, because I know a lot of actors that, that really struggle. Right. Okay. So let's start wrapping up then. So, um, Brett, have you got any any final thoughts you want to leave us with before we finish up? Well, I'm really looking forward to Halloween this year. I know that sounds ridiculous, 
but I've not had a Halloween off in seven years. <laughs> so uh, my original plan was, as soon as my event got cancelled, um, my original plan was, oh, I'll go to loads of other events. I'll, uh, I'm going to decorate my house loads, uh, have a bit of a Halloween party maybe. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but I actually found out yesterday that I will still be going to uh, the Silver Mountain Experience anyway because we are trying to do a, a kind of a ramped up version of, of their horror tour they already do called Black Chasm. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're planning on looking at that. So we're adding a few more actors because we're able to do that under the, the rules that are already in that county. So I, I won't have Halloween after all to myself. However, <laughs> it means I am still working on Halloween. So uh, I'm happy either way because that means I still get to scare people a bit. Yeah, yeah, you can have a few have a few uh, Halloween cocktails. Or yeah, that sounds like good. That. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to trying to get to somewhere else as well. Um, see if I can get to Scarefest potentially. Uh, it doesn't look likely. It looks pretty sold out at the minute. But otherwise, I'm, I'm just going to enjoy the year. You know, it's going to be a weird one, but uh, we've already started looking at planning next year. So it, it just, if anything, it just means that next year is going to be even better because we've all had more time to think about it. Yep. Definitely, uh, Charlie. Any any final thoughts for you? Uh, I'm not really too sure what I'm doing with this Halloween. Uh, possibly Scarefest. Maybe I'll have to see what tickets are available. I mean, that is the thing at the minute with Merlin. It's can I get tickets to anything much? Um, I mean, last year I did a fair bit for Halloween. Uh, I did some things in Germany. Went to Wallaby, did a bit of Europa Park. We're all pretty good, but uh, I've got a couple of ideas. I don't know yet, though. I haven't, I haven't really concreted any of those ones. So uh, yeah, I'll try and get down to Scarefest probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's just see what happens. And I did do a poll on the on my Twitter account, and I think about almost twenty percent were undecided as to whether they were actually doing anything for Halloween. So I think a lot of people are in the same boat at the moment that they're not entirely sure. Um, so in terms of my final thoughts, it's just simply this, which is, um, you know, if you feel like um you don't want to go to an attraction for whatever reason then don't you know don't feel guilty about it but at the same time if you are able to go to an attraction then do and if obviously if there's one on then do give it your support because there is a real risk that um maybe some attractions won't come back next year so if if there is an attraction on in your local area then I'd really suggest uh, giving it your support and maybe even think about, you know, if they have extra merchandise and things like that, and think about maybe buying a few extra bits um, because they're going to need all that. And like we said before, uh, people who are running scare attractions in these events, they're not in it to make money, really. Um, they're doing it because they enjoy, um, you know, doing scare events, they enjoy acting, they enjoy the organisation, they just enjoy the industry, and that's why they do it. So just have a think about that. But, you know, next year it's going to come back bigger and better than ever and just be prepared. Uh, and if you can't do something next year, uh, this year, then maybe next year, maybe go to two events instead of one event so you can kind of pay the industry back a little bit for what you missed this year. So just something to have a think about. 
So, uh, Brett, do you want to just remind people where they can uh, find you? You can find all of my scare attraction related stuff on uh, Fear and Sons Immersive Horror Consulting, Fear and Sons on Facebook and Instagram and all those other places you can find us. Uh, also on Instagram for my theme park related artwork that I do. I do theme parks by Brett through Instagram as well. So I'm a bit of everywhere, as always. Uh, Charlie, do you want to just remind everyone where they can find you? Yeah, it's just like the uh, database section. Hey, everybody, I'm Charlie <laughs> from Go Theme Parks. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook, on all those good places. Yeah, you know, check me out, uh, purchase the merch, all oh, that no, stuff. We I haven't got any merch, but if, if I ever do get some, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've still... well, you got to shill, you got to take the shilling, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Go with it. I I still have no 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 merch to purchase, so don't try and yeah. don't try and purchase any merch. Um, cool. Okay. Uh, and theme park loopy. You can find us on Facebook at theme park loopy. We're also on YouTube. Um, and wherever you're listening to this podcast, um, if it's somewhere where you can click follow or subscribe or or whatever then do consider clicking that button and then you make sure that you're one of the first to get our podcasts in the future um we aim to try and put out at least a couple of podcasts every month so we're going to be relatively uh, frequent with the podcast and we'll just see what what happens um we'll probably have a little bit of a break uh, into october uh, because we're going to be going to one or two things and we're potentially moving house and all this kind of stuff going on uh, but I'm sure we'll have a strong end of the year because ple- yeah that moving stuff can type your time you know yeah it can and obviously Pleasure Beach is open up until uh, December so I'm sure we'll be there at least a few times probably brilliant okay well thanks for joining us uh, so we'll see you all again real soon if you want to chat to us obviously come and chat to us on, on Facebook But in the meantime, we'll see you again real soon. And this podcast is over.